Freedom Hut. Biden moves ahead, but the battle is not over. Lawsuits and recounts on the way. Where are all these new Democrat ballots coming from and how Supreme Court Justice John Roberts dropped the ball? This This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, my friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Not good news today from the presidential election front. We know this. You've had Joe Biden surge ahead in Pennsylvania, in Georgia. Looks like he may maintain his leads elsewhere. And if this current trend continues, he will not, in fact, be uh, going off quietly into the night, as many of us had hoped. He will be the next president of the United States. Nope. I know. It's sad. It hurts me, too. But that's what we're fighting against right now. And the fight is not over. Let's talk for a moment about process. What is an election? Why do we say that It's something that matters so much to us. Well, sure, they're at the very core of it are the principles of individual determination, autonomy, uh, that people should be governed with their consent. But the only way to get the closest approximation of what the consent of the people may be is through a process. We have no perfect means of doing this. And that process has a lot of rules, regulations, laws. And they are in place and to be adhered to by both sides. Otherwise, what do we really rest the end result on? We must have both sides agree to abide by the same rules, the same uh, the, the same game must be played by either team. And that also includes when there's a dispute going to the courts. Now, I understand right now there's going to be a huge effort among liberals, among Democrats to convince everybody that Trump is trying to do something that's illicit here. But in fact, this is a repeated theme for the Trump administration. What do they do when it seems someone is either blocking a Trump administration initiative or when there's an issue of policy that can't be resolved through the the regular processes of the legislative branch? They go to court. That's what Trump has been doing for four years. Not exactly the tyrant that they say he is, right? Tyrants don't go to court and respect the decisions of courts that go against them, as Trump has done, although usually he wins in court, whether it's the the travel ban or any number of issues having to do with Trump administration policy that we've seen make their way all the way up to appeals courts and Supreme Courts. But this is part of the process. And it's important that we don't allow the propaganda campaign of the Democrats to cloud that fact by convincing us that somehow seeking redress in our courts is going around the election or outside the election. Look, Al Gore was being a big baby in 2000. We all know it. And he only wanted certain places to be recounted and not others in a state. So he was cherry picking and the court slapped it down and George Bush became president. But there was nothing illegal about Al Gore's process choice of taking it into the courts that's what's supposed to happen he made that decision and he lost trump is making that decision now his campaign is taking this into the courts and we'll see what the final dispensation of this will be 
But there's absolutely nothing about this that anyone should be ashamed of or concerned about. There's there's nothing here that is outside of what should be expected under the circumstances. We have an election that is not razor thin in one state. It's razor thin in half a dozen states where a a small change, as we've seen, because Joe Biden, the changes always seem to go in his favor. Look, I'm not the only one that's picked up on this. Whenever there's 5,000 new ballots found here or 10,000 new ballots unexpectedly that turn up there, they overwhelmingly or even almost entirely go for Joe Biden. Some of that is just the fact that Democrats are much more likely to use mail-in voting than Republicans are. And this was always the plan. And what we know is that Democrats also used COVID as an excuse to change that process to their advantage. So if we're really going to we're going to talk about who is switching things up. If we're really going to talk about who's making sure that the rules tilt in their favor, let's all understand the Democrats in cases like Pennsylvania took it upon themselves to just forget about what the legislature says. And this this actually goes to the Constitution. State legislatures set, right? They set how this goes in individual states. They did, The states get to determine through the legislative process the rules for their own election. It does not say that a state attorney general or the governor of a state gets to just ignore whatever the legislative intent is within a state, whatever the law actually says. But in Pennsylvania, there was this emergency declaration because of covid to to go to universal mail in ballots, get rid of signature matching, get rid of postmark requirements, essentially turn it into an election free for all and use covid as the excuse. I voted in person in New York City. Tens of millions of people voted in person all over the country. There, There was no undue risk to this at all. It was fine. But it was an excuse that we knew Democrats had been preparing for months and they used it this time around. Well, there's a real legal question here. In fact, they're hoping the media is hoping that you don't revisit the judgment of the Supreme Court, the 4-4 judgment. Of course, John Roberts joining the four crazy liberals on the on the Supreme Court by uh, essentially punting on the issue, just saying, look, we're not going to handle this now. We don't want to get involved in the middle of an election, but. We will look at this. This is the Supreme Court now. We will look at this afterwards. The changes made in Pennsylvania, for example, a key state, they'll look at it later. So they'll keep the, the writ of cert, certiorari, uh, they'll keep it there so that they can look at it later. But they're saying we're going to revert to the lower court decision, the Pennsylvania Democrat, of course, appointees. Uh, to the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court and allow allow them to just change the rules. It's not not up to them to change the rules, or rather it's not up to the governor and then have the court back him up there. The legislative branch in Pennsylvania made its will known. And you know what they told the, uh, the Supreme Court, told the state of Pennsylvania as well? Make sure that you keep any ballots that are uh, in the delayed category separate so that if they need to be reviewed, they can be reviewed. Do you think that's happened? No, they've commingled the ballots. It's happening all over the place. So you you go to a court for injunctive relief to prevent harm from happening. John Roberts and the three libs on the court. Unfortunately, we had not yet had ACB Amy Coney Barrett put on the Supreme Court. They decided, well, you know what? We're going to trust the Democrat controlled government of 
Pennsylvania to do the right thing. We don't want to get in the way of people voting right now. After the election, we'll look at this question. And if need be, we can look at this. uh, We can look in these ballots that came in late or that had these changes made just on the whim of the governor, on the whim of the, uh, you know, the Democrat apparatus in the state of Pennsylvania. We'll look at these changes and then then we'll make our determination, except now it's too late. You're never going to be able to figure out what ballots came in when you're never going to be, be able to figure out the real. I mean, I'm, I say never. It'll be very, very difficult to figure out the real number of ballots that came in late in violation of statute, completely good enacted statute in that state. And there are other issues in places like Nevada where you don't have 30 day residency established in order to actually vote there. People come and go from California. There are real questions of law here. So what are you going to do other than take this to the courts? And I'm not even talking about the outright fraud yet that we know has happened. There is absolutely fraud that has occurred in this election. It's just a question of scale. Is it enough to change the election or not? Remember in 2016 when the Democrats pretended that a a, a pittance, a tiny amount of money spent by some Russian troll farmers on Facebook ads through the election of Trump over Hillary. And a lot of us said, look, you're being completely disingenuous, Libs, because no one really thinks that's enough to change a presidential election with billions of dollars spent and with multi-billion dollar media apparatuses all vying for our attention in this country. $100,000 on Facebook? That's a joke. That's ridiculous. Doesn't do anything in a presidential election. But they completely ignored all sense of scale and context because they wanted to throw a fit and they wanted to act like the election had been stolen and they want to make a big a big deal of it. And that's what they did. We're merely saying, well, let's look at the scale of this because we know it's happened. I spoke to someone today involved in this election in Pennsylvania who said that he knows of at least 80 cases of dead people voting in that state so far. And that's just the ones they found out about. Dead people are voting and we're told there's no fraud. You can you can tell me I'm anti-science. You can say I won't listen to experts, but I don't care what anyone says. I'm pretty sure a dead person can't vote in a presidential election. You know, I, I know maybe you could say I don't believe in miracles or something, but dead people don't vote in elections and some of them voted in this election. And if you're going to tell me that it doesn't really matter, that we don't need to look into this, I'm going to need an explanation for how that could be the case when as of as of uh, Friday morning, you're talking about a, a, a few thousand votes in Georgia that separate these two candidates. You're talking about a few thousand votes that separate them in Pennsylvania. Oh, but. But small-scale fraud doesn't matter in that case. That's what they want you to believe. No. This is the phase of the process, respecting the process and our institutions and our Constitution, our form of government, and the rule of law, where the option is to take this into court and to fight for what is right and true and fair. And if at the end of that process, it turns out that Even though there was some fraud here and there, there wasn't enough of it. It wasn't systematic enough that it changed the outcome and that and that Donald Trump did lose. I'll say, all right, team, we mount up, we fight, we go on and that's it. But we're not there. 
We fight this until the end because that is what our election process deserves. That is what the full faith of the American people requires for us to believe that any election going forward is going to be something that we can put our faith into. That's where we are today. The media will do everything they can to try to silence those voices and big tech will do everything they can. They're silencing the president of the United States right now. They are they are blocking tweets to his almost 70 million followers. They're blocking tweets. Saying you can't see this. The president's not allowed to say that. Are they going to block me when I point out that dead people have voted? Are they going to block me when I point out that the Supreme Court in the 4-4 decision in Pennsylvania said it may in fact be the case that what the Pennsylvania Democrat apparatus did is a violation of law, but we're going to wait till after the election to look at it. That's in the decision. Are they going to block me for, for telling you that? For speaking the truth to you? You know what the answer is? If they can get away with it. Right now, that's what we're trying to find out. What were Democrats able to get away with? We're still determining the answer to that question. And if we don't fight, you know what the answer is? They'll get away with stealing the whole election. So I say we fight. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. And I can tell you in election law litigation, the standard for, for holding a new election is extraordinarily high. Courts try to do everything else before they do that. But, you know, I am more than a little frustrated that every time they close the doors and, and shut out the lights, they always find more Democratic votes. It, it, it's, you know, 20 years ago, we had Bush versus Gore, the recount, and I was part of George W. Bush's legal team. And we saw that pattern every time there was a recount. Somehow, magically, there were more Gore votes and more Gore votes and more Gore votes. It was always the Democrats that would keep on finding votes. There we had the Chads, and and it was our belief that they were just sitting there poking out new Chads with their fingernails. They, They were willing to steal the election. The answer really is don't give them the opportunity to steal the election. Think about how easy this is. And when we're talking about ballots sent in with no signature match, ballots sent in, with no postmark, uh, how do you? How could you ever be caught? This is. They keep saying there's no election fraud. That's a lie. People go to prison for it. Or just earlier this year, there was a case of of somebody who was being charged by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Pennsylvania for cheating in elections for years, ballot stuffing. And one of the ways they did it, you know, what they did they'd go to a voting machine and just fill out as many ballots as possible and put them through the machine when nobody was paying attention. That's all very straightforward stuff. It's not complicated. We're not. No, this isn't like Ocean's Eleven steals the election. All right. This is really easy stuff. And people go to prison for it. So we know what happens. But then the Democrats tell us, oh, it's not happening this time. Do you believe them? I don't believe them. I think that they should pay a price when it comes to good faith from our side, given what they've done for the last four years lying about the president with Russia collusion, lying about how the president was a Russian agent and stole the election. And now they're turning us saying, why aren't you respecting our democracy? We're we're not ballot stuffing. We're not cheating. We're not trying to change the rules in real time. That's what Democrats do. We're just saying, what's really going on here? Are are we supposed to not notice? 
that in Georgia, for example, uh, in, in, in the Savannah area, they said they had stopped counting ballots and then Republican poll watchers left and then they started counting ballots again. Why would they do that? They, they don't think that that's going to raise some flags. They don't think that people who are just using common sense would see that as an issue. That in, in all of these states where there's an all of a sudden drop of ballots, it's a huge windfall for Joe Biden. They somehow never find, and I said this at the beginning, they never find 5,000 new votes. Oh, look, we forgot about these. Never for Donald Trump. All over the country, even including in red or red-leaning states. It's all a coincidence, they tell us. It's, it's all a coincidence. I mean, if... if you look at what Democrats were willing to do, and I mean thousands and thousands of them all summer, were willing to uh, lie about police officers being racist, murdering cops, being evil, to burn down businesses, to loot stores, to engage in arson and vandalism and all kinds of mayhem in the name of politics. You don't think there are Democrats out there who would say, well, I just happen to be sitting here in a position where, you know, I could throw an extra hundred ballots when no one's looking because I got these blank ballots that I've, I've pulled together from people. And, you know, you don't think that's possible. Why? Kennedy stole a presidential election. Lyndon Johnson stole a presidential election. This has happened before. And notice I'm not telling you this election is stolen. I don't know, but it looks fishy and I want answers. That's it. We we need to see. Let's look at this. Oh, they can get a special counsel for Russia collusion, a, a, a plot with no evidence that makes no sense. And the country has to be you know roiled in that for for years. But we can't find out before they crown Joe Biden. That, you know, that just just empty suit extraordinaire. Uh, we, we can't find out the truth of this election before they decide who the next president of the United States is going to be for four years. Why does that make any sense? Oh, I can answer that question. It doesn't. It doesn't. They changed rules and now they don't want us to be able to even use the rules that still exist to find out what really happened here. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I just want to remind everybody, as the whole country is focused in on who actually won this presidential election, we, we know that Republicans did better than expected in the House. They did better than expected in the Senate. And Trump did better than all the polls were telling us. But now there's this last minute shift. There's this move away from from Trump and Biden is leading in all of these places because of changes to how we vote, because of changes to the system that may not have been legal constitutional changes, which is why we have to go to the courts now. But we were warned about this by one of the finest legal minds in the country, the attorney general, Bill Barr. Here's what he was saying months ago. Play two. This is a, you know, sort of cheap talk to get around the fundamental problem, which is the bipartisan commission chaired by Jimmy Carter and James Baker said back in 2009 that mail-in voting is fraught with the risk of fraud and coercion. But since then, and, there and have been until a lot this of administration, no, well, sorry, they haven't I'm, proved it. Let me talk. Yeah, please. 
Uh, and since this, since that time, there have been in the newspapers, in networks, academic studies saying it is open to fraud and coercion. The only time the narrative changed is after this administration came in. But elections that have been held with mail have found substantial fraud and coercion. For example, we indicted someone in Texas, 1,700 ballots collected he made, from people who ha could vote. He made them out and voted for the person he wanted to. Okay? Because that kind of thing happens with mail-in ballots. And everyone knows. Oh, no, but you're not supposed to hear that. You're not supposed to know that. This isn't just some theory. They're prosecuting. They're sending people to prison for doing this. So we have as much, you know, as much reason to believe that this is happening as we can anything else that goes on in the realm of of criminal fraud. And we're supposed to just accept this whole situation. He talked about seventeen hundred ballots collected and, and, and used by this guy illegally in Texas. It's not the only case. This has happened other places. Something similar was going on in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia earlier this year. DOJ announced those charges, I think, back in May of 2020. Plenty of cases of this. One person can change 1,700 ballots in Texas. Guess what, folks? 1,700 votes, when all said and done, could be the margin of victory in Georgia, in Pennsylvania. That's what it could come down to. I'm not saying it is right now, although it's close in the case of Georgia. One person engaged in fraud could do that. One person. And listen to what, listen to the media. Oh, you know, the Wolf Blitzer is trying to jump in there on the attorney general. It was understood until now, the same way that it was known by the health authorities until this year. By the way, they won this election because of the COVID lockdowns and hysteria. Let's be very clear about that if they end up winning the election. Let's understand that the, the game worked. Notice how people are much less concerned about COVID. All of a sudden, they're just concerned about Joe Biden being president. Very little talk about COVID anymore. Oh, they're even talking about how Biden's going to get make sure the vaccine gets to everybody. It was disgusting. It was depressing for the nation, but it may have worked. It may have worked. But until this year, it was the consensus among medical experts, professionals, pandemic uh, strategists that you would that even if you had a really bad airborne virus, much worse even by fatality rate than what we've seen this year, you can't lock down all of society. That, that's just it's not it's not clear that will work. And there's enormous cost to it. Oh, and then they decided to change that. And all of a sudden we're told if you're against lockdowns, you're some barbarian who wants grandma to die. Remember that? Well, the attorney general was saying months ago to Wolf Blitzer in that clip I played you is what everybody knew. Universal mail-in balloting without precautions and protections in place. People don't need to send me you know, emails saying, oh, but what about this place where they, what about that place where they set up the process in advance. There are ballots being sent out to people who have residency, who are requesting them. There's a paper trail. That's different from just send out ballots to everybody, including people that haven't even asked for them. Don't have signature match or eliminate that. Don't have, you know, voter ID even at some of these polling places. So you're just sending out votes in the mail to people. You know, who knows what happens? Rife, f rife with fraud. That was the consensus opinion. Jimmy Carter's commission in 2009. Now, if you even say, hey, guys, can we look into the fraud? It's why won't you accept the election? Do you think that all of a sudden Democrats have 
establish some kind of uh, mental and emotional stability when it comes to our politics? You think Democrats all of a sudden are going to be adults about this? No, of course not. All they care about is the end result. All that matters to them is that they're in a position of victory. All the other rules and the regulations, the laws, irrelevant. I have told you this, and I I will keep my word to you on this. If I believe that we do get the transparency that the law demands and that we're able to get, you know, a fair hearing in court in these different states, and it just turns out that with the mail-in ballot machinery they had in place and the COVID fear and, you know, Biden squeaked this out, I'll say, well, we, we fought a good battle. I can't believe enough people were fooled by this this abject moron, Joe Biden. But OK, we move on. We fight. We get ready for the next election, which, oh, by the way, may involve Donald Trump again. But that's where I am on this. Democrats aren't there. That's not their position. Their position is we win or this was this was stolen. We win or this was unfair, just like it was their position in 2016, which they've never repudiated. They've never said, you know what? You're right. We, we should have just learned to live with the fact that we didn't win that election. And now they're blaming the president after months of saying that if they lose based on the polls, remember that just based on the polls, if they lose, the fix was in. That was a common theme. You've got uh, you know, you've got people with uh, IQs in the mid 80s over at CNN telling everybody how and maybe mid 80s is is too friendly, maybe not even two digit IQs. Who knows? But you've got uh, Donna, Donna Bash over there saying that the, the Trump set the country up for this moment. Play 12. And the reason is because he knew that Democrats, because we are in a pandemic, were more apt to vote early by mail and to not want to risk their their health and sometimes their lives by going to vote uh, in person. He set it's a setup. He set the country up. He set his supporters up for a moment that like this, which is completely false and you said sad. It, it, it is sad. I mean, I, I'm not an emotional person and I'm having trouble kind of keeping it together after listening to the wow. president of the United States saying what he just said. He... <sighs> yeah, it's it's sad. All right. It's sad that Democrats pretend to care about the system only when they get the result that they want. Oh, and, and we're supposed to ignore the fact that CNN was the chief purveyor of covid panic all year. Yeah, COVID is bad. It spreads. It can kill people. The government has been completely unable to stop it. No government in the West has been able to lock this thing down and have the results that would justify the pain of what they put people through with all of this nonsense. Remember, mandates are different than personal precautions. People want to stay home, stay home. People want to close their business. They can close their business. And, and they should be able to apply for relief if they're still scared and, and they don't want to open the business. But to tell everybody else, no, you can't live your lives because people are scared. The media is making everybody scared. There was voting in Wisconsin earlier on this year and everybody was fine. There, there were no cases traced to it at all. I mean, the chance of you getting covid from being in a socially distanced line that's outside. If you have a mask on, I was led to believe by all the experts is basically zero. But they scared everybody because they knew all the, it's not about getting more votes through the mail ins. It's about opening up. Opening up the election 
to cheating. Making it so easy. Why are they always so opposed to voter ID, which the Supreme Court has already ruled is a legitimate and compelling state interest? Why do Democrats always oppose that? Because they want to make it easier to cheat. They say, oh, it's so hard for people to get ID. That's that's nonsense. You, can, you can't function in America unless you have some form of government ID. All right, give me a break. And if, and if you can't figure out how to get one, I don't want you voting. But, oh, they're always opposed to voter ID, always opposed to voter ID, opposed to any kind of guardrails in the election to make sure that only people who should be voting are voting. But they're going to tell us how sad they are about all of this. They're going to tell us how it's our it's our fault um, that people have lost some faith in the election. I got to tell you, uh, Democrats. I think we're going to look back on this whole situation eventually. It's going to take a while with regret. Because once again, just like I've been saying with the media's debasing of itself to be hashtag resistance against Trump with their unhinged and disgraceful efforts to destroy Kavanaugh. And now with the way they've shown us who they really are in this election, changing rules, you know, making sure that there's no no way to figure out if there is cheating. Notice how they're never worried about our side cheating. That's the other thing, too. They, they get rid of all these rules, which would make it easier for Republicans to systematically cheat. But they're not concerned about that because they know. Because the same mentality that, that makes people think it's acceptable, even moral to go out in the street and, and throw rocks at cops and loot and burn stores and, and to show up at MSNBC and CNN and call yourself an objective journalist while you're spewing Democrat propaganda, that same delusion affects people who are going to be able to take a very easy, a very easy opening to cheat in this election. And we all know it and think they're doing the right thing and think that they're being moral. In fact, that's the great trick of being a moral relativist Democrat today. The ends justify the ends justify the means. There's nothing about what you're doing that you have to be sorry for as long as you're helping the Democrat Party. As long as you're assisting them, as long as you're acting in their interests, whatever you do, no matter what it does to our system, to the faith that we have in our government is inherently justified. That is the ethos of the left today. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. The president did not have any evidence presented at all. Nothing. No real actual evidence uh, of any kind of fraud. He talked about people putting up papers in windows. He talked about things that he'd seen on the Internet. That is the president of the United States. That is the most powerful person in the world. And we see him like an obese turtle on his back, flailing in the hot sun, realizing his time is over. But he just hasn't accepted it, and he wants to take everybody down with him, including this country. Anderson Cooper is a journalist, according to CNN. Ignorant people who are easily brainwashed by the dominant media establishment think of this guy as a journalist. Him, fake tapper. It's ridiculous. People are Democrat operatives. I mean, he's really going to take a, like a fat-shaming cheap shot at the president at this, at this stage? Okay. An, ob- an obese turtle on his back, sure. That's uh, that's really cute. Here we are, friends, seeing exactly where people stand at this precarious moment. 
Now, the country's going to be fine. Also, all this stuff that lives, oh, he's going to take the country down with him. Oh, he's not going to leave office. No, if, if at the end of the day he loses the election, he's going to leave. He's going to leave quietly. He's going to go back to being a billionaire with a supermodel wife who plays a lot of golf and has, you know, 70 million Americans, whatever it was, 68 million Americans who just voted for him and still very much support him. That's what's going on. That's the future here. Okay, so we can stop with this. Oh, it's going to be a coup and he's going to take down the country. But no, we, we've really seen what the Democrat Party is all about. And they're they're not as a system, as an apparatus, as a political entity. They're not worthy of my respect. They're just not a bunch of left wing radicals. They cry and cheat and steal and lie. And I'm sick of it. I don't want to sit here and pretend like I think what they do is OK. I'm not going to do it. So if we can end up getting the proof we need in court to show that the election was stolen, we'll move on and we'll respect the peaceful transition of power, of course. But it doesn't mean that I don't think the Democrats just were disgusting all year. I mean, the covid stuff, so much of it was just, yeah, yeah. Put that number on the screen. How many people are dead? Trump's fault. Trump's fault. Trump's fault. It was obvious. It's obvious what their intent was. And I'm not letting that go. I'm not letting that go. Just the same way that they care so much about deaths. I mean, this is a perfect, a perfect example. And I know this one very well personally, because when I was in the CIA at the Iraq desk and then I worked the Afghanistan, uh, Afghanistan desk. When I was in the Iraq desk, you'd hear uh, there be first of all, there are leaks to the media all the time from people within the intelligence community to undermine Bush. But there was such a focus of, about casualty figures. I tell people to this day that under Obama, we lost far more people fighting for this country in Afghanistan than we did under Bush. And they look at me like they have no idea what I'm talking about. And it's it's just a question of the focus that the media was willing to to use at the time. People in our armed services dying when Obama's president is a is a back page item. When Bush was president, our brave men and women giving their lives for this country was splashed all over every front page as propaganda. Now, it's important the American people know about these losses. It's important we know about the blood and treasure we're spilling in countries, especially that we're not even sure we should be in. I get that. But there needs to be balance. You could say there needs to be equity in how the media treats those issues. And, of course, that's not the case. COVID is going to be inherently a more controllable, oh, we've listened to the experts issue if Joe Biden becomes president in January. And they're going to act like Joe Biden was alone with a little white lab coat on and a, and, a, and a beaker and a Bunsen burner coming up with the vaccine himself. That's going to and I know you think that's absurd. That's going to be the playbook. And we'll all have to bow down and thank St. Biden for saving us from COVID. And the Fouch will be out there like, hey, here I am. All I did was scare the crap out of you for over a year. Ruin your business. Never had any good ideas about this. But now I'm Biden's right hand man. St. Fauci, St. Biden, we gave, you, we gave you the vaccine. That's what's going to happen. That's the future that we're heading toward if Biden ends up winning this thing. And uh, it's distressing, to say the least, but we'll be all right. And we're not done with this fight yet. I'm not, we're not giving in until the fat lady sings, and that means until every court challenge is, is leveled and we see what the final results are. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. This keeps coming up. 
if what the president says is so bad, and this isn't just about this election, this has been true all along, but if what he says is so bad, why do they have to lie about it? The president has never taken the position that legally cast ballots should not be counted. But here's ABC News putting someone on TV who's making exactly that claim. Play 14. He's been claiming this would be a rigged election since then, George. We has, he has been ramping up these claims leading into Election Day this time around. Uh, one of the things that he is doing, he is attacking these early votes and saying that they are all primarily Democratic votes. And they are because Democrats came out historically, have come out to vote early, absentee mail-in ballots. But you've got to remember, President Trump repeatedly, repeatedly told his supporters not to vote early, to vote in person because he didn't trust the system. George, we get accused time and time again by this administration of being fake news. But I got to say what I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing fake about it. What we witnessed today was factually disturbing by the president of the United States. The remarks that he made strike at the core, the foundation of our democracy. And when we are at a time in this divided nation, when votes are still being counted, the president is saying that the voices of Americans who cast their votes legally do not matter. That is nothing short of dangerous. He didn't say that. The president has never said, you know, she's she's actually telling you what I'm saying is not fake news, comma, and then she gives you fake news. That's very on brand for ABC, I understand, but that's how you have to think of these journos. They, they will explicitly go out of the way to say, look, I know you might not trust me all the time, but you got to trust me on this one, and then they'll say something untrustworthy and untrue. It is not the position of the president. It is not the position of his campaign, of the Republican Party, that legally cast ballots should not be counted. It's not what he's saying. But he is asking questions about highly suspicious stuff going on and wants to make sure that illegally cast ballots, which certainly were cast, we already know were cast. It's just a question of where and how much. Or, or is the Democrat position that there was no there were no mistakes and no election fraud whatsoever with hundreds of millions of people voting in this country? Is, is that is that really the position? Because that's stupid, right? We all understand that's nonsense. There's no way that's accurate. But that is what they're going to say. That is what you're going to be hearing. Um, so just keep just keep that in mind. W- what they're telling you does not make any sense. Oh, and I had mentioned before how uh, the COVID situation played such a big role in this, and it absolutely did, getting us even to this point. I mean, Donald Trump should have wiped the floor with Joe Biden in an election in a, you know, in a normal year in America. I don't just mean even a normal year for Trump, just a normal year in America. But, you know, we got a pandemic. The media terrified everybody, told us to hide in our homes, really gave a, a kick in the face to the economy, although it is coming back. And uh, they'll they'll say things like this uh, on MSNBC, which is just a, an absurd propaganda network. Play clip 10. Well, this is my hope, and maybe it's a futile hope. But now that the election is over and the administration's policy on election, uh, on COVID, doesn't change the election results, maybe this administration will start to take appropriate actions right away. If it doesn't, we are in for a very, very difficult time. And if we have to wait till January, I think it's reasonable 
to quote the director of the National Institutes of Health, is saying there may be a million of our fellow Americans that die of this this winter. So this is not something to take lightly. I hope that regardless of which way the election goes, now that the election is over, the electioneering aspects of COVID management give way to the public health management of a really serious crisis. A million people will die, this, this MD is on national television saying, if Joe Biden doesn't end up the winner of this disputed election. This is now a disputed election. Let's call it what it is. But he's out there to, to spread the, the same propaganda that got us even to this point. A million people die. What the you know what is Joe Biden going to do that would save a million lives this winter? A national mask mandate. Anyone who says that is a moron, a moron. There is no basis for this whatsoever. It's going to save a million lives. First of all, why would we think that a million people are even going to die over the course of the winter? That wouldn't happen if we did nothing. That would not happen under any circumstance at this point. You've already had the disease spread to millions and millions and millions of Americans who will have some degree of, of antibody resistance to it, as well as cross-T-cell immunity to it. And you have a vaccine that's weeks away that, that the new administration, if it happens, is going to inherit. They'll give no credit to the Trump team for pulling it off. But, yeah, that's where we'll be. That's what they'll be telling you. Anything they can do, anything that's possible for them at this phase to just give that one last push, that one last, uh, you know, appeal. And then then all of a sudden COVID will be manageable because Joe Biden listens to the science. Joe Biden doesn't know anything about science. He's an idiot. He's not a smart man. He doesn't understand anything. He doesn't have good judgment. He's just a Democrat talking points machine who's been around forever, is way past his prime. I mean, Democrats, let me tell you this. They're not going to enjoy playing defense on a Biden administration. I can tell you that much. It's going to be laughable. We'll get more into that later. But I don't want to get too deep into that because I haven't yet given up that Trump is going to pull this off. I'm not saying it's likely, but I haven't given up hope that Trump is going to pull this thing off. Speaking of fake news, fake tapper among the kings of fake news, or at least the kings of fraudulent news, because he pretends that he's a journalist and we all know he's a Democrat hack and also a giant jackass in real life. Uh, here he is making exactly the the wrong claim about who always says that it's not fair when they lose. Play 11. What a sad night for the United States of America to hear their president say that to falsely accuse people of trying to steal the election to, to to try to attack democracy that way with this feast of of falsehoods lie after lie after lie about the election being stolen no evidence for what he's saying just smears about the integrity of vote counting in state after state when he wins the state it's legitimate when he loses it's because the vote is being stolen from he from him it's not true it's ugly it's frankly Pathetic is what Jake is what Jake Tapper said uh, intellectually defensible. Let, let's let's take a moment here. Oh, he's emoting. He cares so much about democracy. Uh, sure, he does. Are we com- are we compl- He says when he loses a state, it's stolen. Really? Did we did we say that California is stolen? Trump lost that one. No. Did we say New York is stolen? No. Did we say that a number of other places that went blue? No, of course not. 
So that's that's just a factually untrue statement. Fake tapper. Uh, What do we have a problem with places where Trump was winning? And then all of a sudden vote counting stops the night of the election and everyone wakes up the next day. And oh, look at this. We got all these new votes, all these new votes for Biden. And now Biden's the winner in the state. Oh, look at that. We're not allowed to ask questions about that. Not allowed to think that something's going on. Oh, also, the there's no evidence for any any uh, fraud in the election. I guess Jake Tapper believes that dead people vote because we already have evidence that dead people voted. So he, he must really believe that there are necromancers walking around. There are people who can raise people from the dead to go in and mail in their ballot on behalf of, of the Joe Biden presidency. Gee, I don't know. I wonder. In every presidential election, there are instances, there are cases of fraud, but you're being told you're being gaslit right now by being told there's no fraud. The question is not whether any fraud happened. The question is, was there enough fraud? Was it systemic enough that the election results changed because of it? But what they're doing is taking in the far in the far other direction by claiming that there's no reason to believe that there was any fraud whatsoever. That's crazy. That's not credible. But they think as a tactic, it'll work because then anybody who says, hold on a second, I've got questions. Are you one of those bad people that's questioning the results of this election? No, I'm I'm one of the good people who just wants to get to the truth. And if the truth says that Joe Biden won this election, I will accept that the Democrats managed to pull off uh, just the most BS nonsense campaign imaginable to get this guy who should have a blanket over his knees feeding squirrels peanuts by hand thinking about you know seeing his grandkids again which is fine but that guy is going to be the leader of the free world now okay that's what they're telling us Um, not yet there where i'm going to accept it but eventually we may have to accept it and i'm going to tell you this much uh they do not realize democrats still have not figured out how much they have radicalize their political opponents to understand we're just going to play the way play the game with the same intensity and ferocity not the same immorality and willingness to cheat and lie but the same intensity and ferocity that the other side does no more gentlemanly handshake before the boxing match and we're throwing haymakers for their heads that's how we're going to do this now it's not it's not going to be oh but You know, we want them to think nice thoughts about us. Maybe the New York Times will say that, you know, there's a bipartisan spirit that's reanimated the GOP. No way. They're going to put forward this this multi time presidential loser just because they think that they could kind of use the apparatus to fool people into thinking he's going to be some moderate candidate. It's it's going to be this administration is going to be faced with an opposition that's just going to it's going to neuter it from the beginning, from the beginning. And they're going to complain and whine about obstruction and everything else. But maybe they shouldn't have run on lots of bad ideas that if the American people really understood what those ideas were going to look like under Biden under a Biden administration. He pretends that that's not him, that he's not. It's like he's not even really a Democrat. If people knew what was going to happen and what the party would be pushing for, I don't think they would have been able to go and vote for him. But we shall see. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. 
Good evening. I'd like to provide the American people with an update on our efforts to protect the integrity of our very important 2020 election. If you count the legal votes, I easily win. If you count the illegal votes, they can try to steal the election from us. If you count the votes that came in late, we're looking at them very strongly. But a lot of votes came in late. That's the basic premise of the Trump team right now. And that's why they're asking for recounts and going to the courts. There's nothing wrong with him saying that. I mean, Democrats can complain about this all day. They can complain about this as much as they want. But at the end of the day, the president is completely in the right here to bring up the problems that we've seen in this election. And his team firmly believes that legal votes will favor him. And they they say they have they have reason to believe that the uh, changes that have happened here are not indicative of what the real will of the people has been, as evidenced in this election. Play twenty one. Detroit and Philadelphia, known as two of the most corrupt political places anywhere in our country, easily cannot be responsible for engineering the outcome of. A presidential race, a very important presidential race in Pennsylvania. Democrats have gone to the state Supreme Court to try and ban our election observers and very strongly. Why would they want to get rid of election observers? Does anyone even want to want to hazard a guess about that? Why would they want to prevent people from having access when that is a a, a, federally speaking, you are both parties are allowed to have it's a federal law. Both parties are allowed to have access to polling places to be observers. It's all about creating integrity and the perception of fairness in the system. So why are Democrats fighting that? What possible reason could they have for trying to block poll watchers? Well, I think when we start to answer that question, we all see that there's no good answer. We all understand. And that's why the president's saying, sorry, this is not Not going to happen. Not going to allow this. Not going to go down without a fight. Play 22. Uh, Our goal is to defend the integrity of the election. We'll not allow the corruption to steal such an important election or any election for that matter. And uh, we can't allow silence. Anybody to silence our voters. Can't allow anybody to silence our voters. Allowing illegal votes cancels out legal votes. It is absolutely necessary for this system to be implemented and enforced as the laws state democracy in this context it's a process and unless the process is as planned and fair to both sides the whole system collapses it doesn't matter anymore just the act of voting is meaningless if people who should not be able to vote have their votes counted and that's what the Democrats are are refusing to to accept or to understand right now. That's that's the problem. And, and they're even saying that uh, that Trump is, of course, this, you know, they'll always go to this, that Trump is racist because he has concerns about this vote count. Play 15. Why is he talking about Detroit? Why is he talking about Philadelphia? Yeah. It's not subtle. It's race. It's race. It's Donald Trump's go to play. And it's disgusting. So I just want to say that I I appreciate you teeing it up. It's unbelievable that he can say 
these cities are known for corruption, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's corruption all across this country in every institution. Why are you singling out these two black cities? Why are you denying the victory that these people have fought for? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm upset about it because African-Americans have fought so hard for the right to vote. I just want, I just want to finish. African-Americans and our allies have fought so hard for the right. This right to vote for us is precious. Uh, John Lewis died this year. This is something we went and we got young African-Americans across this country to believe, to, to buy in, to stand in line, to do this thing and have the president of the United States crap all over their efforts. It hurts. And you can say he didn't mean it to be racial, but it feels racial to it, us. He definitely doesn't mean it to be racial, but they take the cheap shot anyway. Philadelphia does have a history of corrupt elections, as evidenced by the federal prosecution in May of this year that I told you about, where somebody was straight up making fake ballots or making fake votes up, filling out uh, empty ballots for one candidate or another. And there was money involved. There was political consultants involved. Detroit, the same thing. You know, when people refer to the corruption of Tammany Hall in, in New York during that era, they're just referring to the fact that everybody knew it was corrupt. Chicago politics, a lot of corruption. A lot of people go to prison for corruption there. But he's talking about Detroit and Philadelphia because those are the main Democrat-controlled cities in states that are determining this election right now. And yes, they both have histories of corruption. And they also forget this. The Trump administration, uh, or the, the Trump campaign, rather, is so racist somehow that they managed to set records for the GOP for black and Latino support. Hmm. I guess the mainstream media is just going to pretend like that didn't happen. They're just going to continue with one of the most unfounded and vicious lies about Trump of all, that he's a racist. They can't, they can't ever change that. That was their favorite thing to say for four years about this president, and it was all a lie. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. What happens now in this fight, my friends? That is our focus, and to help us dial right into it, we've got our buddy Will Riccardella in the mix. He is from the Washington Examiner. You can uh, read their latest coverage of it at WashingtonExaminer.com. Will, my friend, how are you feeling right now about all doing, this? Buck? What's going on? I'm tired. I'm tired of staying up late at night. I'm tired of looking at the results change. I'm tired of all the, the back and forth here. Um, I'm tired of legacy media and how they're reporting on this. I'm tired of social media restricting anybody but legacy media uh, reporting on this. It's, it's tiresome. So how do you think the campaign's legal challenges are stacking up so far. I mean, are, are you at the point where you believe we have evidence of fraud or that we just are concerned about the possibility of fraud? I, I think, I think, well, let me start by saying, look, voter fraud happens virtually every election. I think the question here is there's a difference between voter fraud and election fraud. Election fraud is in the, during the process of counting ballots and so on. Voter fraud is people filling out uh, mail-in ballots uh, illegally and, and submitting them. Uh, so the question here is not whether there's voter fraud, it's how much voter fraud there was, and if, if, if that voter fraud happened, did it sway or affect the outcome of this election? That's why we're going through these processes. Now, there's nothing wrong with challenging that. There's nothing wrong with going to the courts and doing it. If Donald Trump loses, at least we know 
where this, you know some of this fraud is occurring, we can help expose it and have a more transparent process the next time. Florida had no problem calling this election. Uh, Florida was the contested state in 2000. They had all their ballots counted. It was an orderly process, and they called the race, uh, uh, you know, well before 11 p.m. Or, or shortly thereafter. That's how it should be done. The fact that it's not done in Georgia, North Carolina, uh, Pennsylvania is an absolute travesty. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, you should be outraged. Yeah, when we see what's gone on here with even even in Arizona, all the delays in counting. Isn't it fair to ask? And people keep trying to suggest if they like the outcome, which right now with Biden ahead in key states, they they do like the outcome. Media is suggesting this is all totally normal. No, no, it's not totally normal. I mean, you've got places that are saying, oh, yeah, our numbers were wrong. We found new ballots. We're delaying this. We had a pipe burst. We sent poll watchers away, but then we kept counting. That's not normal. Another thing that shouldn't be understated, whether you like Trump or not, he exposed the media for the propaganda fraud that they are. He exposed these institutions for the frauds that they are. This is the Democratic Party started an investigation with no predication, no evidence against a sitting president, a duly elected president, in order to get him impeached. So no one trusts the Democratic Party. No one trusts their institutions, the FBI, the DOJ, uh, you know, the, the, the Democrats and the media have no place to say, oh, voter fraud didn't happen, election fraud. They don't have no credibility anymore. The pollsters have no credibility. I mean, these people should be shunned. They shouldn't be listened to anymore. Let's let the process work itself out. Let's make sure every legal vote cast is, is counted. And let's see where the chips fall. But this stuff has to be exposed. Trump exposed all these other things. Let's see if he can expose what's going on at the local levels if there's fraud going on. I mean, you look in in Philadelphia and we're speaking to Will Ricardella now of the Washington Examiner. You look at what's going on in Philadelphia, Will, and to think that this was all I mean, is the media's line on this that this was all done exactly as it should be and there's nothing to even look at? Because that's so absurd, but it does seem to be what we're supposed to believe. Of course. And they set this up long before the election happened. If you remember, uh, big tech was censoring anything about possible mail-in voter fraud. Uh, the New York Post came out and attacked actually my reporting on uh, possible voter fraud and things that have happened. They didn't refute it. They just came out and said that it was wrong. Um, you know, this has happened a lot. Heritage has a database of all the voter fraud that's happened. Not one person ever refuted it. It was just, oh, this is impossible and it's not going to happen. So this has been a long concocted narrative that, hey, you know, this is all going to work out. There's certainly no voter fraud. There's no election fraud. And, uh, you know, the election's going to be fair. All these ballots in Pennsylvania, uh, these last minute rule changes that take that taken the election out of the hands of legislators and given them to, to rogue courts. Uh, you know, now you have people accepting ballots with bad postage and signatures that don't match in Pennsylvania. It's an outright absolute mess. And it's a joke. And people should call it for what it is. Are there any other areas, any other places specifically you're looking at statewide right now where you think if we if we do get the transparency that the Trump campaign is demanding, where we may get a a changed result based on legally counted ballots in that state? I mean, I'll just say Pennsylvania for me and I'm talking to people on the ground there and that place is a mess. And there's definitely the possibility of that thing flipping back to the Trump column in the end. Uh, what what other states are top of the list for you at this point? You know, I, I, I refrain from from saying it. I have a reliable source in Arizona that says that Arizona is likely to go to Trump by about ten to twenty thousand votes. I heard that yesterday. 
I'm not seeing it pan out as of now, but I do trust him. He was he's, he was involved in these uh, uh, statewide elections and so on. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona went Trump. Again, I'm not seeing it bear out of the numbers as of yet. Um, so look, there's nobody nobody really really knows for sure. If anybody says that they do, again, they're lying. Pennsylvania is going to be tough. It's really, really close. We have the ballot problems because the Supreme Court refused to rule on whether uh, ballots should be accepted by Election Day, like the like the legislature said. Moreover, ballots that have uh, signatures that don't match or postage uh, or incorrect postage may be accepted. So that's going to be a mess even after. There's going to probably going to be court challenges, and some of those may be thrown out. We don't know yet. What do you think the biggest takeaways are for the Democrat party? Let's let's put aside whether Biden wins or loses, based on what we've already seen. In the House races, Senate races, and the overall trend in this election, what do you think we learned about the Democrat Party? I mean, they'll win at all costs, and they're, and they're good at it. Look, the COVID narrative of everybody's going to die from COVID, that didn't sway the electorate like they thought. You know, Trump won seniors and, and Florida, won seniors in Georgia. But what it did do is give them cover. It gave uh, Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo cover to shut down the economy, to hijack it, to take it from Trump. And that's likely what swayed this election. It also allowed them to change the election rules in the last minute on the fly and talk to people about mail-in ballots where most of the fraud occurs. All, a majority of the election changes helped Democrats. And the COVID narrative gave them the, the, the uh, cover to do it. We know that elections are safe. In Wisconsin, there was one in April. The media predicted that everybody in the entire world was going to die. Uh, you know, it, it even killed the last of the bacteria. That, that, you know, that election went off without a hitch. This one would have went off without a hitch. But there was a coordinated effort between the media and the propagandizers and the Democratic Party to have it their way. And they got it. And I mean, I'm talking courts overruling legislatures. These are activist courts at the state level, much like what happens with activist courts at the federal level, telling legislatures who are the ultimate deciders on how elections are run. Those are the uh, body of the people and they speak for the people, overturning the will of the people in these states. And that's why we don't have election results. And that's why the borders have all been muddied. Do you think we're learning anything particularly interesting about who really support uh, who really supports President Trump and his agenda among the GOP I'm talking about right now and who is uh, ready to tuck tail and run at the first moment or or actually just start measuring uh, measuring the new GOP for they think they're going to be hanging the drapes, so to speak? (laughs) Well, this is going to be interesting. Look. Uh, you know, this election, if Trump loses, was a massive repudiation of socialists and 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 the Democratic policy agenda. Uh, down ballot, Republicans did really well gaining in the House, retaining the Senate. Um, they didn't, you know, much like Obama in 2012, people liked Obama but didn't like his policies. If this bears out, um, uh, you know, in 20 in 2020, you know, people didn't like Trump but they liked his policies. Um, so there's kind of a flip there. So, you know, in New York, in New York and local elections, you may know this, Buck, there was a bloodbath for Democrats. They do not like the lockdowns. So Biden coming into the White House, he's look, he looks pretty weak. I, I, he, he looks like a lame duck. He's not the future of this party. You're going to see progressives fight it out. You're already seeing him go after Nancy Pelosi. Americans don't want socialism. Progressives are going to push it on the country. And you're likely going to see a, a Republican wave in 2022 where they win back the House. Uh, you know, Biden's not going to be able to push any of his massive... Uh, systemic changes like packing the courts, adding states, uh, getting rid of the electoral college, whatever other those radical agendas are, they're, they're dead in the water. So, look, you know, everything that's happening right now, if a Trump doesn't win, is not bad for the Republican Party. 
Um, you know, obviously Republicans want Donald Trump to win, but I'm saying it's just not the end of the world if he does. Biden won't be able to get much done, and he's gonna he's gonna govern as a centrist. And isn't it nice that uh, we're we're at least able to look around and Republicans right now are be, I mean Trump is is behind right now, and it's not looking good, but it's not over as as I've been saying on the show today. But we're not rioting, we're not looting, and we know we're not, and, and we know that our team is not going to do that. And if anyone does that, if there's a little you know, moron here or there who thinks they're going to become violent or something. Everyone on our side is going to shout them down, want the cops to, you know, take out the billy club and lock them up as soon as possible. No one's going to be whining about it. So at least we go into this knowing we are still the civilized side of things, Will. Yeah, and like to answer, to actually answer your, your previous question, there are people on the Republican side, it's not just rioting, but are tucking and running like Chris Christie, Marco Rubio, uh, some of these guys who are, you know, Rick Santorum, some of these guys who are positioning themselves, they don't know where the Republican Party's going, so there's already positioning going on. Ted Cruz is fighting, Rand Paul is fighting, even Mitch McConnell saying every legal vote needs to be counted in these states and so on. Um, so look, you're going to see a lot of this positioning going on within the Republican Party, uh, who's going to be the next leader and so on. And that's why you're seeing some of these people dump Trump so quickly, in as much as I think they want to retain a lot of his positives and they want to dump some of his negatives for the next election. But, you know, we really got to see where it goes. Are they going to pick the establishment mentality or are they going to continue to go through the door that, you know, Trump swung open and fight back? I think Donald Trump's biggest problem was he was a counterpuncher and people really liked that. But his counterpunches were thrown with his eyes closed and he often hit the wrong target and tired everyone out. So, you know, uh, the Republican Party is looking to change, but Donald Trump is probably the best thing to happen to them in a century. So they have a blueprint to win blue dog Democrats and they have they have a blueprint to do it for a long time to come. Will Ricardell, everybody, Washington Examiner, follow him on social media. Will, always good to have you on, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Buck. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I think a lot of people are going to turn to what happened to the Democratic Party. There is no way to put this other than to say this election was was I mean, Joe Biden winning looks like a one off. This election, for the most part, was an absolute repudiation of the Democratic Party as a brand. Their brand doesn't work across most of America. It just doesn't. Here you have Joe Scarborough saying something that almost makes sense or or is close to being correct for the first time in a long time. But what's really going on is you're going to see a lot more of this. And this goes into the discussion we've been having uh, already this hour about how people are jockeying now for what they think is going to be a new GOP, a new roles, a new media prominence and everything else that the Trump era is uh, is coming to an end here. And and that they'll finally be able to turn around and say, oh, yes, no, we oppose the Democrats. I'm sorry. People like Joe Scarborough work to get Joe Biden elected. They were on Biden's team. You you don't get to switch teams when you defeat the Republican Party and say, oh, but now I want to be a leader of the Republican Party. Now, now I want Republicans to trust me and like me again. That's not going to fly. At least not on my watch. I don't know. Maybe maybe some people will buy into that. I mean, I know the never Trumpers must be overjoyed at this moment. You know, I, I do. I give I give someone like Ted Cruz a lot of credit. He's got his personal issues with the president. But Ted Cruz understood the agenda and the movement 
mattered more than any personal petty feud. And for four years, he had the president. He had the president's back when it mattered on on big issues. He really did. And he still does now. Even in this phase, I think we should all pay very close attention to who fights and who wants to uh, cut and run already. And you're seeing it, these GOP establishment style figures. What do they think is really going to happen? Everyone's going to forget if Trump doesn't end up winning. Everyone's going to forget what we've learned over the last four years, what we've seen the opposition is willing to do. I mean, they changed voting procedures in an election year to benefit themselves and we're, we're thinking, oh, yeah, let's listen to the GOP figures. You say, let's take a moderate approach and try to win these Democrats back to our side. I don't think so. Um, but that's what they're, they're going to do now. You're going to have these moderate, these so-called moderate GOP voices who were Democrats to get Biden elected now trying to position themselves as reasonable and as part of the uh, the new Republican Party. Although they're going to have to not say stuff like this. Here's Scarborough again. I did look. I just think it's interesting. That this guy's uh, allegedly a Republican, works at MSNBC, and all he does is trash Trump. Anyway, fascinating stuff. Uh, here's what he says about Biden. Play five. Just like Bill Clinton governed, and just like Bill Clinton, Joe Biden knows how to govern. So he will govern from the middle. He will make deals. People on the far left and far right won't like it, but. Yeah, Joe Biden, such a great, such a great deal maker, such a a leading figure, even in the Democrat Party. This guy was just along for the ride with Obama for eight years. But he will hopefully be limited in how much damage he can do as a result of the Senate being in Republican hands. And there was something of a repudiation of the Democrat. Party. I mean, the fact that Democrats in a pandemic year like this in, in the election year for there to be a once in a century pandemic and they they could only squeak out maybe maybe I know guys I, I I can't just keep talking about the maybes we got to start talking about the what if down the line here on both sides right we we can't just keep focus on well we don't know we don't know I know we don't know but this if this was the best they could do winning in a handful of states by less than a hundred thousand in some cases less than ten thousand votes while the country is being told by the media constantly. We're facing hundreds of thousands dead if Trump wins again. Right. I mean, that's in addition to the people who've already died from covid. If that's the best they can do, that's not indicative of a very bright future for the Democrat Party. And the smarter Democrats are realizing that the smarter Democrats are beginning to understand that wokeness and the extreme left approach of so many in their party is a total turnoff, is a real deal breaker for a lot of people the Democrats are going to need on their side in the next election. Right? And, and there was this relentless campaign of demonization against Donald Trump for four years from 95% of the media. It's, it's amazing, actually, that so many folks came out and voted for him, given that we're supposed to get our information from the news media. So one of the great positives of all of this, no matter what, News media is mortally wounded. It's never coming back the way that it was before. Now the fight's really against big tech, and that's going to be more of a struggle. But the mainstream media, it's a joke, folks. Oh, ABC News, they're just journos, please. Democrat clowns. CNN, MSNBC, Democrat clowns. Washington Post, New York Times, same thing. We all know it. We all see it. 
Why go to them for your information? They're not they're not even doing real journalism. They're doing opinion based upon the same fact sheet that's available to anybody with an Internet connection. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. There is good news no matter what about this election, about this uh, trend that we see for the Republican Party right now. Uh, we, We shouldn't lose sight of that. The president has pointed out that this was a year in which Republicans did very well, historically well, with non-white voters and Republican and, and uh, female voters, which is the exact opposite of what you would have thought if you had listened to the mainstream media. Here's the president, play 18. Yet for the first time ever, we lost zero races in the House. I was talking to Kevin McCarthy today. He said he couldn't believe it. Zero races, very unusual thing, zero. And actually won many new seats with, I think, many more on the way. This was also the year of the Republican woman. More Republican women were elected to Congress than ever before. That's a great achievement. I won the largest share of non-white voters of any Republican in 60 years, including historic numbers of Latino African-American, Asian-American, and Native American voters, uh, the largest ever in our history. We grew our party by 4 million voters, the greatest turnout in Republican Party history. Uh, Democrats are the party of the big donors, the big media, the big tech, it seems, and Republicans have become the party of the American worker, and that's what's happened. And we're also, I believe, the party of inclusion. Here's the thing. If Republicans in this new populist phase are able to continue these trends among particularly minority voters, uh, that is a game changer. And usually the the trend had been, okay. every time there's an election, we'll hear about how, oh, this this GOP president's going to win more of the black vote. This GOP president's going to win more of the Latino vote. And it was pretty much what was expected every time. Roughly 10% of the black vote, roughly, you know, let's call it 20, 25% maybe of the Latino vote. And Trump got, what was it, 36% of the minority vote overall? That's an astonishing number for a Republican. And it's terrifying Democrats as a long-term trend if, if it can continue. And it's really just about making making the Trump populist GOP going forward, whether he's president or not, uh, it's about making it uh, what works for the for for people out there who are trying to get ahead and who are doing their best and who are obeying the laws and who want to build, who want to be contributors, who want to be creators. What works for them, regardless of their race, religion or anything else? What's the governing structure that that moves the most unnecessary hurdles out of their way that doesn't regulate and tax them into oblivion and elevates success that praises and celebrates people having those individual victories of starting that small business of launching that new venture or of joining others who have already done so and become, you know, essential components in their success. 
This is why small business owners were such a huge constituency for Trump in terms of donations this time around. If you are running a small business and if it's all on your shoulders to make it work, you understand how important this is. You understand what a difference the Trump administration makes. And for working class people, too, nobody who is showing up to do a difficult job that they're not paid what they would like to be paid for, which a lot of people, you know, I, look, I, I remember I was at the NYPD, you know, a lot of a lot of folks think they should be making a little more money than they're making and are doing a hard job. Right. And, and I, I feel I think everybody at some level probably thinks they should be making more than they're making whatever they're doing. But, you know, they're they're working their way there. And uh, the, the Democrat fixation on transgender rights and proper pronoun usage and the Green New Deal and these these really these just issues of kind of religious left wing religious fervor don't help people that are showing up to just do a job and trying to pay their bills don't help people that are starting their first you know retirement retirement fund you know in their in their 20s or 30s and trying to set themselves up so that they can retire with some uh, with some comfort and and some decency, right? What what really is the Democrat message? We're going to just continue to raise your taxes, and we're going to make all these social engineering decisions for society constantly. I mean, you're going to have if you have a Biden administration, there's going to be wokeness teaching all throughout the federal government again. There are going to be executive orders on immigration for sure. So get ready for that, and that's going to go into the courts. There'll be a lot of that going on. Uh, oh, Title IX, that's right. Now, if you're a guy and you're accused of sexual assault on campus, you'll basically have no rights and you're, gil- you're guilty unless you can prove yourself innocent. And they'll make sure the process is very hard for anyone who's trying to prove themselves innocent. I mean, those are things that are going to be unfortunate if you get a Biden administration. But in terms of winning in four more years, if you get by, I know I'm going ahead of things here, folks. Trump is still fighting this one out. And I and I, I know I keep repeating myself on this, but I want to be very clear. I haven't given up hope. And I think that the president has a real case. And I think when the legal votes are counted, if they are counted the way they should be, Trump will win. But even some of the Democrats out there are recognizing that they got they got some real problems here. Here's Andrew Yang talking about their appeal. And look, Yang, I think he's wrong on some things, but he's somebody he's a man who says what he thinks, has real ideas, and does not treat those who don't agree with him like a bunch of monsters beneath contempt. So that makes him a unique Democrat. That makes him unique among Democrat leadership. Here's what he says about their appeal to working class voters. Play 17. I had that experience countless times on the trail, Don, where I would say, hey, I'm running for president to a truck driver, retail worker, a waitress in a diner, and they would say, what party? And I say Democrat and they would flinch like I'd said something really negative or I just like I'd like turned another color or something like that. Uh, And there's something deeply wrong when working class Americans have that response to a major party that theoretically is supposed to be fighting for them. So you have to ask yourself, what has the Democratic Party been standing for in their minds? And in their minds, the Democratic Party, unfortunately, has taken on this role of the coastal urban elites who are more concerned about policing various cultural issues than improving their way of life that has been declining for years. And so if you're in that situation, this to me is a fundamental problem for the Democratic Party, because if they don't figure this out, then this polarization and division will get worse, not better. I think that's 
absolutely correct. It's very astute. The Democrat Party as a brand, and in a sense, this is what Joe Scarborough was referring to earlier in the show when I played that clip, but the Democrat Party as a brand is the party of this obsession with diversity and inclusion and wokeness and LGBTQ language use and all these things that are just trivialities to people who are trying to make a living, people who are, are struggling to pay their rent and, and to pay for groceries and want to feel like they have a path forward and whatever their careers and that they're valued and they're contributing with their professions to society and that their neighborhoods are going to be safe. They're not going to defund police. I mean, defund police was the dumbest political slogan, perhaps, I mean, it might be the dumbest political slogan in this country I've, I've ever heard in, in my lifetime. It's so absurd. Or defund police, whatever. Abolish police, defund police. Uh, these are, it's so stupid. And yet this was common for Democrats for their activist class and within the media. How many people in the media did you hear at, at these elite liberal networks that are all you know, legacy institutions that have huge incumbency advantages over their competitors. How many people at those places were willing to stand up early on and say, guys, defund the police is dumb? I can't think of one. Because they were afraid of the ferocious woke left coming for them. So what did they do? They went along with it. And it, it definitely cost... The Democrats. This was not something that was uh, with without consequence. I think the election would have been even would have been better for Biden, regardless of the final outcome, if we hadn't seen riots and looting and defund the police slogans for three months leading up to it. I do think it's at some level a little bit stunning and disheartening that given what we did see. You had voters as many as, as we saw in Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, places like that. Pennsylvania coming out and voting for Joe Biden anyway, but a lot of folks get get brainwashed. A lot of folks believe, oh, it's mostly peaceful and they don't really care. You know, the city of Minnesota, I'm sure, even though it was getting burned down by Biden voters, voted for Biden anyway. Right. There, there was not some huge change there. So this is this is a frustration, friends. But that's something that we're going to continue to see and, and fight on. And, and also, who really is at the top of the Democrat Party? Who really runs the show? This is a truth that needs to get out there now. Here's what Trump said. Play 20. And they spent almost $200 million on Senate races in South Carolina and Kentucky alone, two races, and hundreds of millions of dollars overall against us. At the national level, our opponent's major donors were Wall Street bankers. And special interests, our major donors were police officers, farmers, everyday citizens. It's true. That's when you look at the donor lists, the elites went for Biden because ultimately much of the Trump agenda. And I know Trump comes from the elite class and he's a billionaire and he's world famous. And obviously he's just he, he is the president of the United States. Uh, but his approach was always one that that prized the hard work done by construction workers, by police officers, by farmers, by people that the Democrat Party has really left behind. And that that led to the Trump victory in 2016, that perception. And that hasn't changed at all. And I still believe very strongly that if it had not if it had not been for all of the 
shifts in perception, the changes in voting, the uh, the damage done to the economy from COVID-19. We would we wouldn't be having this discussion about who won this many days after the election, because we would know that it was Donald Trump election night. But we got dealt a bad hand. The whole world got dealt a very bad hand with this one. And now we're just trying to um, now we're just trying to work through that. I got to say, I mentioned before. People who are cutting and running from the president already. You know, I mean, Chris Christie, this guy, it really strikes me. He just has no principles. Whatever, whatever Chris Christie has to say to get attention, be on TV for five minutes. And, uh, you know, he has no no loyalty whatsoever, personal or political. It's really just all about Chris Christie. I mean, here he is talking about the the president's in a legitimate battle right now. And Chris Christie is not just turning his back on him. He's helping he's helping the enemy play twenty five. I've been fortunate enough to be on the ballot a number of times myself. I've won, I've lost. And so as a candidate, you're even more invested in the integrity of the system. Right? So if this stuff is going on that the president's talking about, all of us want to ferret it out because it would undercut everything that we believe in in our system. But as a prosecutor, that's like asking me to indict someone without showing me any evidence. If you're going to say those things from behind the podium at the White House, it's his right to do it. It's his right to pursue legal action. But show us the evidence. We, we heard nothing today about any evidence. I want to know what backs up what he said so that I can analyze it. And let me tell you, if he's right, I'll be outraged. And I'm sure you would be, too. And if he's wrong? And if he's wrong, then the American people are going to be able to make the judgment about this election that the results have been fair. And this kind of thing, all it does is inflame without informing. And we cannot permit inflammation without information. You know, how is he supposed to have the evidence when poll watchers are being blocked, when poll, when, when uh, ballots are being counted in the dead of night with no one else around? He needs the process to get going to get the evidence based on the very understandable suspicion right now. You know, if Chris Christie wants to put on his whole prosecutor hat thing, he very much overstates his legal mind. I can tell you that. But, you know, we're, we're at the at the reasonable suspicion phase. He's asking for probable cause. OK, well, we're not, we're not talking about bringing indictments. We're talking about getting some early answers here. But the process is you've got to go to judges. You've got to file lawsuits. And we're looking for this stuff. And the president's saying what he thinks is happening right now. He's taking no action on it other than going to the courts to get the information. But wh- why, why do you know, help the others? Why be the, oh, I'm above the fray guy who's clearly helping the Biden team here? Well, it's because... You know, Chris Christie, Ben Sass, they're they're thinking it's going to be their GOP again when uh, when Trump, if Trump loses, that's really the plan. I'm watching them. I see it. These are not guys that I've been supporters of all along. That's for sure. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. We have no doubt that when the count is finished, Senator Harris and I will be declared the winners. So I ask everyone to stay calm, all the people to stay calm. The process is working. The count is being completed and uh, we'll know very soon. So thank you all for your patience, but we have to count the votes. God bless you all and may God protect our troops. Thank you so much. 
No doubt he's going to be the winner, but that's not the same as declaring himself the winner, I guess. That's, that's what the media is hanging their hat on with this one. Oh, boy. I do think you're going to have a media, a, media comp, uh, a, a major declaration of, of Biden victory soon. You know, if by the time you hear this, it hasn't already happened, I think they're going to just declare it for him. Now, that, that's not the same thing as winning, but that's what we're heading for. In fact, some people were expecting it even yesterday. So we have to wait and see, folks. I, I can't get ahead of where the facts have, have taken me as I, as I go to air and as I speak to you. But I will say this, you know, there's uh, a little something out there that could or that that could happen. That could be the case where you have what I believe is the 22nd Amendment talks about presidential term limits. Guess what? Trump's not done if he doesn't want to be done. And here you had Mick Mulvaney talking about just that play 24. After this election is over, who is the leading Republican candidate for 2024? And I think now folks are starting to realize, wait a second, if Donald Trump loses, he might be the guy. And I'm telling you, absolutely. I would absolutely expect the the president to stay involved in politics and would absolutely put him on the short list of people who are likely to run in 2024. He doesn't like losing. Plus, don't lose sight of the fact that he will be, I think, technically younger than Joe Biden is four years now, four years from now. Yep. The lib nightmare is real, even if they end up defeating him this time around. Trump doesn't go away. I've been telling you about the movement, but then there's also the possibility that Trump himself is going nowhere. That he's going to wait until the, you know, the time is right and he'll throw his hat in the ring again. And when there's not a global pandemic raging through the country and with four years to do nothing but just fundraise and and build the machinery and everything else what you, you think a biden re-election is gonna please when we when we see how inept this buffoon is and how he's out there you know begging and bowing before china for a whole bunch of reasons so just remember that friends not e- this is not even close to over for those of you out there who are maga squad we have not yet begun to fight <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ain't no party like a Team Buck party, because a Team Buck party don't stop. Yeah, we got Buck turned up to 11. It's time for Roll Call. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. If you want to send us a message there for Roll Call or email us at teambuck at iheartmedia.com. Remember to check in at bucksexton.com. I'll be sharing news stories as we post them there on my social media accounts. But you can also just always add that to uh, your your uh, home pages and uh, and be checking in there. It's it's the slight the 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 site. It's sleek, it's new, improved, looks great. Bucksexton.com for your, for your latest there. Please check it out. What does, uh, TJ is first up here. What does populist conservative mean to you? I'd hate to speak as if Trump lost the election. I think it'll be a little bit before we know for sure, and I agree with you that even if Trump ends up losing in the end, the results are by no means a repudiation of the Trump agenda. 
In the event of such a loss, though, I can't help but wonder who our de facto party leader will be. Is it still Trump? Do we even need a leader? Obviously, we have cocaine Mitch in the Senate. And while he undoubtedly serves his purpose, he definitely does not come across as a populist conservative leader. So that's a that's a great, uh, a great message. Great question, TJ. And I'll begin answering it here. And I'll just promise you that that's a question that I will be in different ways continuing to address and answer for the foreseeable future on this show. What have we learned about the right and about conservatism over the last four years? Um, one way that one way that I would attack this question or, or that I would, I would try to give you a concise beginning of an answer. This is not a full answer. It's a beginning of an answer would be to say that there was a conservatism of the past that, well, there's the um, stylistic change, which is that we we used to speak in very uh, sterile tones and and try to approach politics as a mostly intellectual game and leave out most of the emotional component of it in our politics, leave that to the other side, and not we were not willing to throw a punch back when a punch was thrown at us. You know, this is the the Romney school of things. Uh, I'd, I'd even say the the, the Bush approach. Um, remember, Bush won by the narrowest of margins in 2000. Um, and I think that we have we have been led to think for a long time now that Bush was more successful for conservatism than he really was because he was such a wartime president. We just rallied behind him. And anyway, there's also a, a, a change in the approach of what do we think matters in this country um, for, for the government to address and, and how should we approach that? So l- let me put some uh, put some meat on the bone here. We often have heard if, if you were in the conservative movement, say, in the 90s and the early 2000s, uh, free markets were something that were, it was almost a, a point of religious zeal. We want free markets, so we don't want any government intervention whatsoever. Well, okay, but markets aren't really free, as we know. It's on the global market and in a whole bunch of ways. So if you are allowing the market to, to only be, um, if, if you're allowing for a market that cannot be considered free in and of itself. And then you're saying, well, we don't want to try to adjust it to make it more free. You're actually just complicit in the imbalances that already exist in it, say, with dealing with China. Um, but also a government that's not just hands off. I, I think, look, I'm, uh, some of the libertarians listening aren't going to like this. I think some of the libertarian ethos of government shouldn't pursue moral ends. It should just pursue the most limited constitutionally viable ends possible. Uh, I, I think there's been a shift with that. I think that a, a Republican Party that is, that tries to reach the traditional values of people across all you know races, genders, ethnicities, everything else, religious categorizations, but traditional values rooted in universal truths, but also implementing them through the government apparatus in a way that it brings benefits to folks. Right. We should think more about how we're supporting intact family structure through government and less just like hands off. Don't touch anything. Who cares? You know, oh, well, the market will decide. So anyway, that, that's a, the beginning of a, of a very long conversation. I mean, it's almost like asking really what is conservatism today? 
which I think is what you're asking, because if populism, if, if the GOP is a populist party, how does conservatism fit in with that? We understand there's these traditional values. There's the sense of what we know from history, what we know from human nature, that there are universal truths, that rule of law is, is an essential component of a free society. I mean, there's all these things, all these different concepts that come together in what is an ongoing and, and endlessly complex conversation. But I think it's shifted away from the sterility of that's just the way it is. We don't want to use government for moral ends or to help people. Government just sets these rules and then stands back and then whatever happens, happens. Uh, that uh, you could consider it maybe a more laissez-faire conservatism. Uh, that I think is on the way out. And that's what we've seen with Trump. So there, there's a lot. I, I think I've begun to answer the question there. But uh, TJ, an excellent one. Courtney, hey, Buck, the only people I've seen fighting to make it right are Trump and his lawyers and us civilians. Where's our party leadership? Well, Courtney, you're right on some in some cases. But I will say Mitch McConnell saying only legal votes. You know, Mitch McConnell is, you know, he's holding the line. Uh, Ted Cruz holding the line. There are people out there who are making the case alongside the president. I think it is the right case. I think it's a case that absolutely should be made. So we're 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 seeing a bit of that. But, yes, I, I, I think that there's a uh, there's a very real walking away from the president already because there are so many people that flock to his banner because it was good for them. You know, there are so many people that did that. You know, there, there are people on, on the right and conservative media, too. I'm pretty sure there are radio hosts who at one point were saying Donald Trump was an idiot. And then later on, they're. Trump's biggest fans with the pom poms out all the time. You know, oh, okay. Plenty of that out there. Uh, you also have uh, Kevin McCarthy, who made, I, I didn't get to this point before, but I want to bring this up again. This is in support of the president's position, and it's an interesting take on it. Play, uh, Mark, play 16. What's very interesting here and shows more of the fraud, not one Republican incumbent lost. We're already won eight seats, and we're ahead in 10 more. How would President Trump lose in an atmosphere like that? How is it possible that someone claimed that Joe Biden would win and not one Republican member of Congress lost re-election, but almost 15 Democrats did? And you know what's interesting happening? We're watching this go before our very eyes. Why is it in these major states that the big cities stop counting till all the rural votes come in, till they know how many more they need? Yes. Those are very good questions, aren't they? And they are questions that Minority Leader uh, McCarthy is asking that are clearly in support of the president's position that something, something's going on here. What is indeed that funky smell in this election? That's what we want to know. And I, I think that uh, that's, that's good that Kevin McCarthy's out there. You know, there are others as well who are making the case. But yes, there are some on the right who are very, uh, oh, I don't know. And, you know, we'll see. Sam. Hey, Buck, I'm very disappointed in the lack of outrage from conservative politicians and media personalities about what's going on, with the notable exceptions of you, Steve Deese, and Tucker Carlson, and maybe a few others. It seems like everyone's being relatively calm or saying, wait and see. I think everyone knows there's major fraud going on. Democrats don't care because the fraud is all in their favor and they don't care about the rules anyway. On the right, everyone is either content with our small victories and secretly happy to no longer carry water for Trump, or they're worried that if they're vocal about the fraud... They'll be blamed for causing a civil war, hoping there's a peaceful uh, solution that results in the true election 
result. Uh, yes, Sam, I, I think that there are people who perhaps were drawn to supporting Trump for reasons of their own advancement, but never, never really believed in the agenda and really personally despised Trump. This is true in media and in politics, who right now are, are playing a wait and see game. You know, they, they don't want to be seen as part of defending Trump's losing effort here because what do they care, right? They, they, were never, they were never really all that invested in Trump anyway. That's definitely happening. I think people are self, uh, selfish and self-interested by nature. It's just a question of, a question of degree. And uh, especially politicians and media figures, they're, they really love themselves. Let me tell you, they got very high self-regard and high selfishness even compared to the general population. So, yeah, there are definitely people that are walking away from Trump on this, and they have no issue with that, and I think we should take note of it um, because this is a president who, remember this, friends, if it wasn't for Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton would have been your president for, for the last four years, and what a nightmarish mess that would have been, not just for us, but for you know the people of, uh, you know, Durka Durkistan, who I'm sure she would have found a need to go invade or have some peacekeeping force deployed. Remember, Trump didn't start a war. Trump didn't start a war. And that's notable. Um, that's that's something for which he should receive a whole lot more credit, but they just don't care. All right, we get Mark up next. Hey, Buck, I keep hearing people say, well, at least we kept the Senate. What good will this do? The Republican Party is still filled with rhinos who will side with the left every single time. Remember, that's why we didn't get more of the ACA repealed. I don't hold out much hope of the Senate standing up to the oncoming avalanche of radical and insane policies they have planned. P.S. How long do you think Biden will actually be president before the Dems invoke the 25th Amendment to get Harris in there? Well, Mark, you know, you make a point here on the Senate that I can't say is entirely off base. Uh, There are rhino Republicans, although, you know, we look, we'd rather have Susan Collins, who we can get, who we can count on sometimes than her Democrat opponent, who we'd be able to count on zero times. You know what I mean? So there, there are those, those uh, wishy-washy Republican types, but they're wishy-washy because it's a reflection of what's necessary to get elected in that state as a Republican. So there's that. But yeah, if you're talking about like a Ben Sass from Nebraska, I know, Mitt Romney in Utah. Uh, look, I, I get it. There, there's not a whole lot of trust that I think you should have in them to, to do the right thing for the party. They do the right things for themselves. Very, very arrogant, uh, very arrogant. And ever noticed about never Trumpers, not a, not a humble bunch at all. Almost like they, they take Trump's rise and Trump's way. They take it personally. Who's this guy that gets to do this stuff and live his life this way and be as powerful as he is when, you know, he's not, he's not the guy walking the hallways, handing out demerits to students who are late to class. I am. That's a, there's a lot of that with the never-Trumper types, particularly the elected never-Trumper types. Uh, as for the 25th Amendment, no, no, Mark, I disagree with this. It's not going to be a 25th Amendment play. Why? Biden's going to step down because of health reasons and be a hero. They're not going to have to remove. Removing him makes it seem like he was some kind of a liability and this was all a fraud, right? I mean, I, I understand why you'd think that. And look, maybe you're right, maybe I'm wrong, but... Um, I think it's going to be, to me at least, it's going to be so obvious that Biden just says, all right, I'm not feeling well. I, I turns out I've had a turn in my health. He'll have a lot of sympathy from the general public. He is really old for the job. And that's it. 
he'll just say, okay, now it's President Kamala. There you go. Hero forever, the Democrat Party. Guy gets to be a millionaire based on his memoirs alone. And he's already a millionaire, but you know what I mean? A big time millionaire. His kids and his grandkids will never have to work again. And the Biden name will go up there with a Kennedy name as as a, a kind of power player in Democrat politics without having to you know, steward us through a pandemic or without having to see us through a major war or anything else. It's a great deal for Biden. So, no, I don't think it's 25th Amendment. I think he just gives a public statement and steps down. I think he does it uh, before the midterms. That's what I think happens. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right, we got more roll call to send us off into the weekend because everybody's working for the weekend, including producer Mark. Any fun plans, buddy? I I don't really care. It's a great day, Buck. It's one of the best days of my life. Why is that? Steve Cohen is officially the owner of the New York Mets. Really? Yes. It closed just... 10 minutes ago as we're recording. So, like, the Mets are now, not only are you going to have the Mets as a super team, but, if you know, producer Mark can now probably go to a glistening and beautiful future Mets, you know, up, upgraded, updated Mets stadium where they'll be handing you caviar while you watch your super team crush everybody. I mean, the only thing the old owners did was build a nice stadium, so maybe it'll be even better. There we go. But, yeah, they're going to be a great team, and I'm so excited. You can, you can fling your caviar at the plebs from the other team from, from up in your box. I can fling the caviar at the Yankees. That's right. There you go. So who, who is there like a player or two that you think they're going to go for, uh, they're, they're going to buy, that are just going to be uh, game changers? There's a, a couple free agents that I would like. There's somebody named Francisco Lindor on the Indians right now. And so most 29 other owners are suffering financially right now because of the pandemic and there were no fans this season and all that. But now there's one owner who didn't suffer financially from that, and he can go take advantage of that. So hopefully they make a trade like that. Well, there you go. Who's the best player on the Mets right now? Jacob DeGrom. He won uh, two back-to-back Cy Young awards. He's a finalist for the one this year. He's probably the best pitcher in baseball. Oh, cool. Never even heard of him. Learn something new every day. That sounds about right. Yep. Well, congrats, producer Mark. You're happy. He's, hey, look at this guy. Yeah. Happy Mark, everybody. No grouchy Mark. This for the might weekend. be the first happy time Mark. you've ever heard happy producer Mark. I know. Happy producer Mark. Other He's than my probably wedding. even smiling. I know you can't see his face, but it's probably a smile. I can confirm I'm smiling. There you go. All righty. Well, that's happy for everybody. We'll get one more in here. Glenn, hey, Buck, in Massachusetts, when you get your car inspected, the inspector is recorded by video camera by the state to ensure no skirting the process. They're at all inspection stations. Knowing that, is it implausible to think we couldn't do that at all polling sites? Hope you and Producer Mark have a good weekend. Shield side. Well, Glenn, as you just heard, Producer Mark's having a great weekend. He's going to be, he's going to be taking long naps in his Mets jammies. Um, but uh, as for videotaping uh, polling sites, yeah, I, don't, I, I think that's a great idea. It's maybe, I'm sure it's just a funding thing and who's going to pay for it and all this. But we should have that, shouldn't we? Wouldn't that make perfect sense? I mean, is it really that hard to set up? I mean, you could even just use like a, a a dedicated iPhone and just set it up and stream. Right? I mean, we've all got cameras on us. How hard could this really be? I think that's a, we got we got voting machines. We can't have one camera and every. You know, it's a good point, Glenn. Everybody will have more on this, you know, on Monday. Until then, rest up, relax. Let the good times roll. Shields high.